Hello and welcome to this week's Thursday Top 5. I'm Paige. I'm Anna. Yesterday, you might have noticed, we released a surprise Valentine's Day gift guide episode. So if you haven't listened, add it to your queue and get a little bit of inspiration after today's art news. Yes. This week has been pretty uneventful for us, I'd say, but we're going to one of our favorite restaurants tomorrow. So we're really looking forward to that. Yes. And it will be our first indoor dining since like November. (laughs) Long overdue. Yes. Our first news update this week is a little sentimental for us. As we mentioned in one of our episodes a couple weeks ago, the remodeled Penn Station just opened and it features a work by Kiande Wiley, the New York City-based artist who painted Obama's official portrait. This week, our alma mater, Barnard College, announced that in honor of Black History Month, two portraits by Wiley have been installed in Milbank Hall. The two portraits are titled Portrait of Dorinda Essa and Portrait of Savannah Essa. They are part of a series of six paintings. The paintings feature a mother who is Dorinda and her daughter Savannah, and they evoke questions about the women, the world around them, past history, and blackness. I'm truly so excited about this, and I'm really hoping that we get to see them in person soon. Definitely will have to take a visit. I also think Milbank has been remodeled since we were last there. Oh, right. It was under construction the entire time we were at Barnard, so I don't actually know what it looks like. So it's just exciting. Yes, very exciting. It was my least favorite hall, so... Because there was scaffolding everywhere. No, but also I feel like the hall itself was just, like, eerie. Older. There's so many, like, um, basement parts to it and, like, very under... I don't know. It seemed cold (laughs) but now it's about to be a hot spot yes very very exciting another update from a story we discussed last week as reported by artnet quote undaunted by restitution and authenticity claims from mexico christie's pulls in a solid three million dollars at its sale of pre-columbian art in paris yes the national institute of anthropology and history in mexico recently came forward with a request for christie's to withdraw at least 30 pre-hispanic works from the sale It argued that most of the works are part of Mexico's cultural patrimony and therefore shouldn't have been sold. Right. And then something that we actually didn't discuss last week was that there are claims that three items in this sale, based on indications that they were recently fabricated, are fakes. Yeah, so they're getting themselves into a situation like what we talked last week with a fake Goga. Exactly. It's getting Mm -hmm. even worse for them. Yes. But despite all of this controversy... Of the 39 lots available, only three failed to sell, which made the auction a huge success for the auction house. Yeah, that's crazy. But now we can get into our headlines for the week. Yes, let's dive in. Our first headline of the week comes to us from Artnet News, where it was reported that, quote, Angelina Jolie is selling the only painting Winston Churchill made during World War II, and it could fetch $3.4 million at Christie's. So the only painting that Churchill painted during the war is up for auction. The work, which the former prime minister originally gifted to U.S. President Franklin D. Roosevelt, is being offered at Christie's by the actress and philanthropist Angelina Jolie. This is kind of unexpected, actually, for me. Apparently, the work titled Tower of the Kutubia Mosque was passed on from FDR to his son Elliot Roosevelt, and then in 2011, it was sold at Emmett's Rao in New Orleans and acquired by Jolie. It's a really interesting provenance for the mm-hmm. work. The painting is very serene, which is interesting since Churchill painted it in the midst of the Second World War, so you would assume it would be more chaotic. Yes. So Churchill painted the work immediately following the Casablanca Conference in 1943 in Morocco, 
And this meeting happened in January of that year, and it helped to solidify the United States, Britain, and other Allied powers' plans to take on the Axis. And the painting also holds a lot of sentimental value because after the conference in Casablanca, the capital of the country, Churchill invited Roosevelt to Marrakesh and Roosevelt was so impressed by the view of the mosque between the Atlas Mountains that Churchill decided to make this painting as a sign of their friendship. Yeah, so Nick Orchard, the head of modern British art at Christie's, described the work as, quote, arguably the best painting by Winston Churchill due to the significance of the subject matter to him and the fact that it highlights the importance of the friendship between two leaders. It's one of the paintings where the more you know about it, the more amazing yes. it becomes. At first, when I saw like the headline, I was like, oh, like that's interesting. But the more I read about it, the more I wanted to like see it and like keep learning about it. Exactly. And Churchill actually completed around 45 works in Morocco because his painting tutor recommended that he visit the country to paint. I was recently in Marrakesh. It was my last trip <laughs> before, before the pandemic. <laughs> I couldn't fly. Mm -hmm. And the landscapes are so amazing. And YSL had a house there. So it's really a country that a lot of artists draw inspiration yes. from. The current auction record for Churchill is 1.8 million pounds, which is about 2.8 million dollars. And it was set at Sotheby's in 2014 with his painting, The Goldfish Pond at Chartwell of 1932. But Jolie's work has an estimate between 1.5 to 2.5 million pounds, which is 2.1 to 3.4 million dollars. And it is actually the leading work at Christie's Modern British Art March 1st evening sale. Which is so exciting. We'll definitely follow it. So we'll see if it's a record-breaking painting as well. Yes, that would be exciting. The proceeds from the sale will go to charity, which is not unexpected since Angelina Jolie is known for her philanthropic work. Right. The second story of the day comes to us from Gallery Magazine, which announced that, quote, Miami's massive new art space debuts with immersive works by James Turrell, S. Devlin, and more. As major artists like Nick Cave, Leo Villarreal, and JR continue to brave new territory with their massive experimental installations, a groundbreaking new art center to experience these types of large-scale works is slated to open in Miami in early spring 2021. Yeah, so it'll be called Super Blue, and it is a 50,000-square-foot center, which will launch with Every Wall is a Door. That's the title of their launch. And this will include uh, one of James Terrell's ba light-based Gansfeld installations, as well as a team labs between life and non-life, and a never-before-seen work by S. Devlin titled Forest of Us. The new museum has been described as, quote, a blank canvas for experiential art since it is situated in a storage unit, which gives it a lot of flexibility to install mm -hmm. large scale works. One of the first works to greet visitors will be Terrell's semi-permanent installation, Gansfield, as you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. And it uses an all-encompassing wash of monochromatic color to create a disorientating sensation of floating in light. Yes. I actually saw Gansfield, I think, last year. Yeah, last year at uh, Museo Humex in Mexico City and I loved it but it is very disorienting before you enter there are so many signs saying that if you have like epilepsy or different heart conditions you are not allowed to see it just because of like the feeling it gives you it reminds me of the basement at Dia Beacon that yes. we went to after we visited Storm King mm -hmm. and the work's 
are so disorientating. I almost felt like I was like walking into stranger things. Yeah. So it was very cool. I loved it, but the warning is important. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that this space will be similar because Dia was also a warehouse. Yeah. I, yeah, for sure. These places are perfect for that sort of like. There's um, something so incredible about a space that's just so large and so empty that you can do anything with. Yeah. But Superblue hopes to open additional outposts around the globe, giving more opportunities for art not easily installed in a traditional institution and nearly impossible to acquire. And that reminds me of art tech. Yes. But I am interested how this is dealing with artists who already are very established, whereas art tech is dealing with digital artists who we were both unfamiliar with. Yes, exactly. It um, definitely gives like Instagram trap vibes, (laughs) though. It's like more for the Instagram than for the actual works. And I'm curious to see how many people actually go to see the artist and the installations rather than to just take pictures. Right. And how viral will actually go. So, mm-hmm. Maybe we'll have to make a quick trip to oh, Miami. Little field trip. I think our parents would love that. <laughs> <laughs> our third story comes to us from the art newspaper where it was reported that, quote, Uffizi acquires first street artwork, a mashup of Gilbert and George and a crotch grabbing Mark Wahlberg. So the Uffizi galleries, which are located in Florence, Italy, are perhaps best known for masterpieces such as Botticelli's Birth of Venus, just to name one. Mm -hmm. And it has acquired its first street art piece, a montage by the UK artist Endless, incorporating the London-based artist duo Gilbert and George. Very cool. This is Um, a wild story. It is a wild story. The work is a mixed-media contemporary piece that combines a photograph of Gilbert and George taken by Noel Shelley with an image of Endless reading a magazine emblazoned with Crotch Grab, the street artist's take on the 1990s advertising campaign featuring Mark Wahlberg in Calvin Klein underwear. Endless's signature is plastered all around the borders. The artist actually donated the work to the Uffizi, which I found so interesting. Mm -hmm. And in a statement said that artists who come from a street art background are rarely recognized by the most prestigious museums, which is so true. And he goes on to say that street art, after all, is a form of art in itself and is historically significant. So it's almost like the artist himself is making this push to establish street art. art. Yeah, because you really don't see any street art in museums unless it's Banksy. And like Banksy went so viral so fast, but it is truly one of the only artists that I know of that is in a museum, you know? But a gallery director doubled down on this idea by bringing up the fact that the Medici family who built a Uffizi were always at the cutting edge of the art world and would be pleased to see Endless's work added to the collection. I'm really excited to see how the work is actually going to be incorporated into the collection and in what way it will be shown. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't imagine the work having a traditional frame and just being up on a wall Mm -hmm. against a Botticelli with no context right and even seeing the work in the photo on this plain easel with this really intricate like marble and wood background Mm -hmm. it did feel somewhat out of place and I found it funny yeah (laughs) I agree it just seems wrong in a way yeah even seeing the artist in a t-shirt standing next to the director of the the Uffizi in his suit and tie reinforces the feeling of societal and perhaps even generational divide 
you really do get this sense that like something's happening that's not yeah, normal. That's not right. <laughs> I mean, you studied abroad in Florence, yes. so you've been to the Uffizi more than I have. Like, yeah. how do you feel? I had a class at the Uffizi, so I had to go every week for four months. It was um, really great. But I think halfway through my time in Florence, an exhibition by Kai Guo Chang, the Chinese artist, the contemporary Chinese artist, opened, and it was titled Flora Comedia. And he basically used gunpowder to make these like amazing amazing paintings that were supposed to be in the shape of flowers obviously very abstract but they hung them in one of the floors of the um, Uvitsi galleries and it was very interesting seeing them next to for example one of them was next to the Tondo of Medusa which is also really famous work Mm -hmm. and just things like that and they did feel out of place and even though this is like not street art art per se it was so modern that it like really contrasted with the works and I love the exhibition on its own but I still don't know how I feel about it being next to all of those very like 1500s renaissance medieval works and we talked about works at the Borghese gallery last week and how you saw like the Picassos Mm -hmm. next to like the Bernini sculptures and you loved it and I also loved it but for some reason it just felt different like it wasn't incorporated properly so I'm definitely curious to see how the new piece will fit in this space I also found it so interesting that the director brought up the fact that the art that's in the Uffizi gallery was considered cutting edge at the time whereas when we see it we think like classical traditional renaissance Mm -hmm. very interesting lots of things going on here (laughs) The fourth story is some exciting real estate news brought to us from Artnet, where it was reported that, quote, this $7.9 million Tribeca loft comes with its own Keith Haring mural painted while he was a student at SVA. So the mural, which dates from Haring's days as a student at New York School of Visual Arts in 1979 was rediscovered in this 8,000 square foot home 20 years ago by architects Todd Ernst and Frank Severvito. Located at 260 West Broadway, they discovered that the apartment was formerly used by SVA as a gallery space and a rumor that Herring himself had painted the mural in the space before becoming famous was, you know, going around. Right, so then they were doing some renovations on the space And they discovered the work behind a closet where the past owners were storing their coats and AV equipment, which is so crazy to imagine knowing that you could have had this work of art in your home for all these years and just not knowing. (laughs) It is actually very crazy. The most surprising part of this story might be that the work has actually been able to survive. The work is painted with a combination of shoe polish and alcohol, making it water soluble which is unfortunate given that its location is next to a sprinkler pipe. So thank God that pipe didn't first. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the architects compared their discovery to finding an Egyptian tomb, which I thought yeah, was so cute. that is funny. And the current owner hoped to take the work of art with her when she moved, but unfortunately she was just out of luck as is painted on a concrete wall that cannot be moved <laughs> or else the entire building will, will collapse. Fall down. <laughs> I love this concept that the work is basically a part of the apartment. So as the owners change throughout the years, the owner of the work of art also changes. It's like it's being rented. And we always talk about how we would love to rent. Even when we're talking about Joe Biden Mm -hmm. picking new art for the Oval Office, that's kind of what this is like, where you get full access to a work of art, but only for as long as you're living (laughs) in the apartment. For sure. And the story also reminded me of 
the headlines we talked about in December when the artist Banksy spray painted a mural on the side of a house that was for sale in Bristol. Yeah. And there was a big controversy about what to do. Mm-hmm. I think luckily since it was just painted on like that sidewall it will be able to be removed we haven't followed up with that story we need to look into that we will follow up yes but yeah it is very wild would love to have a herring in like a closet in my apartment (laughs) (laughs) the fifth and final story of the day comes to us from the art newspaper where it was announced that quote maya lynn's ghost forest will rise in madison square park this spring an immersive installation that visualizes the bleak effects of climate change by the U.S. artist and environmental activist Maya Lin was slated to open in June of 2020, right at the start of the pandemic. But because no one really knew what was going on and how long it was going to last for, it will <laughs> open. <laughs> it's funny because it's been a year. Yep. It will now open at Madison Square Park this spring. And to give some background, Maya Lin is an American architect and sculptor and is perhaps best known for her monument, Vietnam War Memorial in the National Mall in D.C. This ghost forest is made up of around 40 dehydrated white cedar trees that will be planted, quote unquote, because you Mm -hmm. can't really plant a dead tree. Yeah. (laughs) On the park's oval lawn to create a micro landscape that references the impact of climate change on the environment. Yes, and Lynn also has developed a soundscape that will allow visitors traversing the installation to listen to the calls of endangered and extinct species once native to New York City, which I think is very interesting. And the trees come from the New Jersey Pine Barrens, which is experiencing a phenomenon referred to as a ghost forest where the vegetation dies due to saltwater infiltration from rising sea levels. So sad. And while patches of dead vegetation will typically recover over time, Mm -hmm. experts believe this particular site, which was also hit really badly because of Hurricane Sandy in 2012, Mm -hmm. will never be able to recover. The work is due to be on view starting May 10th and running through November 14th of this year, so people will have plenty of time to visit. And then what's also super exciting about this is that in September, Photographiska, which is the photography museum that we discussed on this week's Monday Chatter Check-In. So be sure to listen to that if you haven't already. Mm -hmm. But that space is planning to host an exhibition of materials and photographs from the installation process and from the final project. And for those who don't know, Madison Square Park is very close to the museum. So you can see both both. in one day. It's a two-in-one. Yeah. (laughs) There are lots of public, virtual, and in-person events that are expected to coincide with this exhibition, so there's lots of things to look forward to in the coming months. I'm so excited to see it. I think it's going to look so cool. We also live pretty close, so we can probably see it like a bunch of times, which is very nice. I wonder, do you know if they're going to charge or is it going to be free? No, it's free because it's it's just in the park. It's really great. Very exciting. Mm Mm-hmm. So these were the stories for today, but now we want to share our emerging stories. Our first emerging story comes to us from Art Forum, where it was reported that, quote, Frick Madison to open an iconic Breuer building in March. And we couldn't be more excited about this because I feel like we've been talking about it for months now. But yes, Frick announced on February 9th that they will be reopening March 18th and tickets will be going on sale February 19th. So super soon. And I feel like they're going to sell out because this has been so anticipated. It's like, remember when MoMA first opened and we tried to get tickets and the (laughs) website just crashed. And kept crashing. So stressful. But also kind of unrelated. But there was a cause exhibit that just opened at the Brooklyn Museum and tickets are fully 
sold out. So I think people are very eager to um, see art, which is really great because museums definitely need public support. Yes. And besides all this excitement, we're so sad because we found out <laughs> yesterday that Flora Bar, which was on the lower level of the Breuer building, will be closing for good. And for those of you who don't know, it is my favorite burger mm-hmm. in the city. So that's very disappointing. We'll have to find a new favorite. <laughs> and to end out our episode on a really fun note, Vulture reported on the latest Kardashian drama. The headline reads, quote, did Northwest really paint this? Yeah, so for those of you who may not be up to date with pop culture, Kim Kardashian posted a picture on her Instagram story of a beautiful landscape where she claims that her oldest daughter, Northwest, made an art class. Since making this post, there's been a lot of back and forth on whether North actually made this very professional looking oil painting. But we just thought it was interesting that so many art world news outlets, like everyone we check. I read the New York Times every morning and this was the first story I read this morning and I'm just like embarrassed that that's like what I um, read. It's crazy. Like this little girl took an art class and now it's on. I th- I like highly recommend that everyone just like goes and like finds the painting or like something because it is kind of unbelievable that an eight-year-old would do that. I took I, art classes when I was yes. eight and my work did not look like that. No, no, but no. maybe it's like a paint by number situation. No, it's supposed to be from like scratch. <laughs> is that what you call a painting? <laughs> is it like cooking? <laughs> <laughs> did you learn that at Barnard? <laughs> I think my professors would be disappointed. Okay, so on that note, I think we should end that episode. <laughs> yes, I think that's it for today. But we do have a very exciting announcement. Tomorrow we will be releasing an interview with Nancy Yao Masbach, who is the president of the Museum of Chinese in America, abbreviated as MOCA. We love chatting with her and we cannot wait to share it with you. Yes, we're super excited and it's also Chinese Lunar New Year. So yes, tune in for that. Thank you. Bye.